Support for The Motley Fool's Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully, so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. That's rocketmortgage.com F-O-O-L. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. You're listening to the Financials Edition taped today on Monday, August 21st, 2017. My name is Gabby LaPera, and joining me on Skype is John Maxfield, a super excellent contributor here at The Motley Fool. Hey, John, how's it going? It's going great. Happy Eclipse Day to you and to you, Austin. I really like that. I <laughs> I wish that that was like a normal holiday. Happy Eclipse Day, sir. This is it's like Christmas and then birthdays and then like I don't know what else. And then Mayan holidays thrown in kind of all together. Yeah, you're in the path of totality, right? We are 99.4%. Yeah, we only get 81%. I feel like that's that's kind of a word that's not safe for work. <laughs> Bull hockey. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, we are going to try and keep it short uh, so that we can go do other stuff. But I wanted everyone to know that it is a theme week here on Industry Focus. The official title of the theme week is We Said What? This week, all hosts will talk about mistakes that we've made, mostly on the show, but maybe also in real life, depending on the host. Um, let's go ahead and dive right in. Austin, uh, I dug through the archives and found this gem from November of 2015. Can you can you hit that for us, please? This is kind of where Wells Fargo has been caught up. But it's important still, particularly at this early stage in this whole process, that we keep in mind that these are stories that could be coming. And I don't doubt that Wells Fargo has a very aggressive sales culture, right? They're known for cross-selling. You've got to push your employees to sell if you want to cross-sell. That's just how it works, right? But <clears throat> whether or not it actually crossed the line, and whether this is going to change the investment for, uh, a theory on Wells Fargo is something I really, really doubt that it's going. It's not going to cost. I, I would, I would be surprised. This thing costs tens of billions of dollars for Wells Fargo. Right, and that is one place no. that Wells Fargo is ahead of a lot of the other big banks is that they didn't have really any large settlements that they had to pay post two thousand eight financial crisis. Yeah, and I mean it made a huge difference. I, right. I think that Bank of America's tally, and this is from Bank of America itself. Was 195 billion dollars from the crisis. 195 billion dollars is what the crisis cost them. So the fact that Wells Fargo has largely avoided all of that, yeah, it could have a few hundred million dollars here and there, and it shouldn't be doing things that if they really are pressuring, right? I mean, I think we can all agree with that that they shouldn't be doing those things. But as an investment, this is still an incredibly solid bank. Yeah, um, I figure we should probably close from a quote with Wells from Wells Fargo, which is. Um, from Mary Eschett, which is their spokeswoman. Wells Fargo's culture is focused on the best interests of its customers and creating a supportive, caring, and ethical environment for our team members. Which, it, that yeah. is what she is paid to say. So yeah, you don't, think that, that, you don't think that she wanted to come out and say, we tell our customers, or our, our, our employees, to make sure the customers buy things whether they like them or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> why? <laughs> Um, so, listeners, uh, for a little bit of background on that, we were talking about a Wall Street Journal article that had come out on November 30th of 2015, so that was quite a while ago now, um, about how Wells Fargo had been accused of aggressively pushing their sales people to, to make these quotas. And we were like, oh no, it's totally fine, guys. 
Maxfield, uh, you want to chime in on how that turned out for us? <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, when we came out, when you guys came out with this theme week, and then Gabby, when you mentioned this episode, I mean, I just thought it was the perfect episode for us to talk about and a great episode to start out the theme week on because it's just such a clear case uh, of being wrong. So wrong. And it's so wrong. And it's really relevant right now. So in September of last year, Wells Fargo was caught opening up something like 2 million fake accounts for customers in order to push the cross-sell ratio and to make things worse. After this came out, we learned that there were thousands of employees that were fired and potentially many of them were fired because they tried to bring this scandal to light inside of Wells Fargo. And then after all of this, you think like that's all pretty bad, right? You're, you're taking advantage of your customers. You're then punishing your whistleblowers who are trying to do the right thing for your company. Just recently it's come out that Wells Fargo is also selling, sold something like 500,000 of, 500, of its customers. I've even read as many as 750,000 of its customers. Uh, this type is called collateral protection insurance, which goes along with uh, when you get an auto loan. So if you have an auto loan with Wells Fargo and you don't have insurance on the car, Wells Fargo will charge you for this insurance to protect the collateral value of it. Well, 500,000 to 750,000 people had insurance but were nevertheless charged for it by Wells Fargo, which goes along with this whole cross-selling scandal. And then on top of that, something like, and I'm, I'm laughing not because I think it's funny, but because it's just so horrendous, something like 20,000 of those people had their, their loans went into default because of those additional payments and their cars were repossessed. So yeah, I think it's pretty clear that, that we were wrong on all oh, that. We were so wrong. Um, but you know what? Making mistakes is part of being alive. And it's what you do once you've made a mistake that separates you. And we are we have done the first step, which is admit that we have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) And we do. We do. We were we were wrong. We were so wrong about Wells Fargo. Um, But I think that one of the really important things to realize when you're talking about investing is that no one has a crystal ball. and honestly, if you get like a 50 to 60% hit rate when you're investing, you are doing incredible. So mistakes are definitely going to happen when you're investing. And, and let me dig into specifically why I was wrong, okay? I was wrong for two reasons. Number one, and I actually didn't hear that clip because it wasn't coming through on my side, but I listened to the show earlier today, so I suspect this is the clip that we're talking about. Number one, in that show, I said that the allegations of potentially abusive selling practices at Wells Fargo would, number one, not change the investment thesis around Wells Fargo stock, and then number two, that it wouldn't end up costing Wells Fargo, quote unquote, tens of billions of dollars, like, say, Bank of America had to pay for its whole mortgage scandal. Both of those have been wrong. Number number one, the whole investment thesis around Wells Fargo centered around its ability to generate more revenue per customer than other banks. You can see that in its efficiency ratio, okay, which is the percentage of revenue that is spent on operating expenses. This efficiency ratio has been traditionally lower than other banks, and the reason is because its revenue has been higher. Okay? Well, that efficiency ratio has taken a hit since then. Okay? And the reason it's taken a hit is because Wells Fargo, one of the reasons they have higher litigation expenses, but another reason is that Wells Fargo has totally changed its approach to cross-selling, as one would imagine. Right? So that changes the investment thesis. The second piece of all of this is that while it's true 
that Wells Fargo has not incurred tens of billions of dollars worth of direct costs at this point as a result of the scandal. If you look at the performance of its stock over the past year, you'll see that it's gone up only 6%, whereas the rest of the market is up. Oh, sorry, my, my son has just walked in the room. He's here for the eclipse party. The rest of the market has gone up by 32%. So when you think of, oh, thank you, big guy. When you think of the opportunity cost associated with Wells Fargo, the lost opportunity cost on this, it's something like $70 billion. So to just to kind of put a bow on all this, I was wrong both in terms of the investment thesis and in terms of how much it would eventually cost Wells Fargo. Yeah, and I was wrong for agreeing with you. <laughs> um, but, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, and one of the things that, so when we were going through to make the show, one of the things that I did was I went back and reviewed my notes to see if there was a time that really stood out to me that, that we were wrong. And that's a really key thing that I think is really important for investors to kind of take away from this. Um, it's really important to keep notes or to keep an investing journal, I think, so that you can look back at what your original thesis was and test to see if it still holds true against current conditions, because that's really the only way to know whether or not you've made a mistake, unless you have a perfect memory, which I definitely don't. You know, another lesson in all this, Gabby, is that, and this is what I took away from it, okay? You never know anything for sure. Okay, so I was looking at Wells Fargo, and you know I've talked in this show a lot about how I like to read about the history of banking. I mean, total snoozer, I'm aware, <laughs> but I like to do that. And if you look at Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo was founded in 1852, 165 years ago, okay? During the California gold rush, right, in, 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 California, in, San Francisco, in the San Francisco area. Well, in 1855, it survived its first major market crash, whereas all of its competitors failed three years later. Since then, it's had some it's had a little some ups and downs, principally when it changed from being a stagecoach company to an actual bank, that was kind of a, that was a difficult transition for it. But ever since then, Wells Fargo has been known and trusted by investors, by its customers, by analysts, by industry observers, by basically everyone. Every person that I've talked to in the wake of this scandal was totally surprised at what was going on at that bank. And just what this, what this drove home to me is that even when you think you know something based on a century and a half's worth of evidence, things, unexpected things can still happen. And so when you're buying stocks, when you're doing things financially, you, you should just always keep that in the back of your mind and, and stay humble. Yeah. And that's why diversity in your portfolio is so important. Um, because if you had had all your eggs in the Wells Fargo basket, I mean, it wouldn't have been disastrous, right? Like you still would have gotten a six percent growth from last year to this year, but it wouldn't have been great either, and you would have missed out on so many other things. And who knows what else is going to happen? Is the point? So it's it's important to kind of put your eggs in all the baskets. Um, yeah, yeah. You just you really you really don't know what's going to happen, and um, and that's okay. Well, it, that doesn't mean that other, you shouldn't not do things either, you know? And the other thing, Gabby, is that in this case, in the Wells Fargo case, with this particular scandal, yeah, you wouldn't have lost money, okay? Your stock still went up 6% over the past year. And that original fake account scandal was announced in September of last year. So through that, it's still gone up by 6%. But when you're dealing with banks, because they're so highly leveraged and because 
they borrow money on a short-term basis and lend it on a long-term basis. They're very vulnerable to liquidity crises. There, it, it's, there could be much more significant things embedded in a bank and on its balance sheet that could come to fruition that could really hurt your, could really hurt your portfolio. I think of Citigroup. On the eve of the financial crisis, Citi, everybody thought that Citigroup, I mean, it was the biggest bank in the country. Everybody thought it was this sophisticated, amazing run bank. Well, it turns out, over the course of 12 months, it went from being this market darling to being, well, it would have failed like 10 times over had the federal, had taxpayers not come in with, I mean, I think it was something like $80 billion in direct capital that was injected into that bank. But then if you look at all the loan guarantees behind it, it was trillions of dollars worth of loan guarantees behind that, that the federal government provided. So the point being is, and, and if you look at what happened to Citigroup stock, it's still down something like 90% from its high before the financial crisis. So the point being, again, you just never, ever, ever know until it's too late. So that's why, to your point, that's a great point about diversity, it is really important to be to have a diverse portfolio. Talking about being sure, I sure am thankful for our sponsor. Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you, which is a huge deal. Do you know how complicated it is getting a mortgage? It's terrible. There's so much paperwork to keep track of. Rocket Mortgage is a way better solution. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Okay, so let's turn to the second half of our show. Um, I think that what I would like to call this show is in defense of making mistakes, because ultimately, being wrong sometimes is good for you, as long as you react correctly. And I think that there are a few different steps to reacting to a mistake correctly. And the first one is identifying what you did wrong, you know, what what your actual mistake was, um, and taking ownership of that, admitting that you've made that mistake, um, and and making sure that you're not blaming outside forces because sometimes you know stuff happens and you had no control over it but acknowledging what you did have control over I think is super important you know when I think it when you say that Gabby you know what I think of is you know when you're driving and you like see somebody do some like crazy thing and you're like what is that idiot doing mm -hmm. but then you don't like like let's say like take a u-turn right in the middle of a on a road where maybe you shouldn't be taking a u-turn but then when that happens you never think about those times when you've done that, you know what I mean, or and you never think about like, well, maybe this guy there's he's in an emergency. You don't you don't you don't you don't think about where the the reason or the explanation behind why he he could be doing that. And this all comes down to cognitive dissonance, which is what you know we've talked about this on the show before, in confirmation bias and these tricks and these games that our minds play with us. That to your point, you really have to make a conscious effort to recognize. The mistakes that you made, that point you made earlier about having an investing journal is so valuable. It reminds me of, one, we have a really good investor, uh, well, we have a number of really good investors who write for The Motley Fool. One of them is Brian Stoffel. And Brian Stoffel talks, he's, I've heard him talk in the past through the years about having an investor, investing journal and how much that adds 
and has made him a, a better investor. And it's just I just think that's such good advice. Yeah, um, and and to your point that you that you were getting at, um, I think that there's a very famous Alexander Pope quote that probably everyone has heard, which is "To err is human, to forgive is divine." Bottom line is that we all make mistakes, and as Alexander Pope noted, sometimes we have a lot of trouble forgiving others for their mistakes. And I I want everyone to take a moment to remind you that we're all human and next time someone makes a mistake that affects you try and think about the last time you made a mistake and how it felt and how even though maybe you were doing it and you knew you shouldn't be doing it at the time or afterwards how terrible you felt try and hold on to that feeling so that you can forgive other people for making similar mistakes or making other mistakes you know don't forget to be kind to other people (laughs) um anyway back to what you need to do when You've made a mistake, so you've ID'd it. You've admitted that you've that you've made the mistake. The next step is to analyze why it happened and come up with a plan for not making it again. And again, this is where the notes that Maxfield and I were talking about earlier, that's where those come in. Like it helps you figure out why you made that mistake. And then the next the, the, the last thing that you need to do is you need to work to actively implement that plan. You know, whether that starts with an apology or, or just a, an acknowledgement that you need to pay better attention in the future or whatever it is, you need to make sure that you actively work to respond to it. Because ultimately, every time you make a mistake, it's an opportunity to better yourself. And I know I sound really like hippy dippy, feel goody, but it, that really is what it is. Like you have the power within yourself to decide how you will approach mistakes. And one way you can approach it is just to throw up your hands and say, well, I'm terrible and I suck and the whole world is awful and you know, there's nothing I can do about it. The other way that you can look at it is it's an opportunity to learn and to better myself and to be even better going forward. You know? Yeah, and let me throw another quote at you, Gabby. And then I actually used this quote on the show that's going to air next week that we pre-filmed a few weeks ago, but it's very fitting for right now. And that is that, and I, I'm paraphrasing now because I don't have it right in front of me, but it's that confidence doesn't come from always being right. Confidence comes from being comfortable being wrong. And I think that I think that that's a really good point because the fact of the matter is, even if you're right 99% of the time, like in the business that we're in, writing, if you're not right 99% of the time, that means one out of every 100 articles is gonna be wrong. Now that's an issue, or that means that there's going to be a tiny piece in a handful of articles that are wrong. Now that's an issue, but if, you do, if, you, if you're not comfortable proceeding with the fact, you know, going forward with the fact that you're going to be making mistakes and being willing to learn from those mistakes, it can really be a paralyzing thing and can really um, throttle your advancement. And then the one more thing that that all this brings to mind is a Ryan Holiday book. Ryan Holiday is this oh, amazing author. Oh, I love author. Ryan Holiday. He is amazing. <laughs> this guy is like off the charts, okay? Are you, ta- you going to do Ego is the Enemy or Obstacle is the Way? Because they're the both obstacle, great books, the readers. Obstacle is the Way. Yeah. And Ego is the Enemy. Perfect. Yeah. Both of them are great books. And both of them kind of hit on this same thing. If you have too big of an ego, you can't make mistakes. That's a problem. And number two, and, and Ryan get, draws all of this from his interactions with some of these top thinkers and, and business people um, kind of in the country. And then the obstacle is the way. It's the same thing. If, if you're not willing to confront your mistakes and push through them, um, your, your advancement will be throttled. 
yeah, I I really readers I cannot recommend enough. Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way. I I'm about to start Ego is the Enemy. I just um, ordered it from Amazon. I've only read a couple chapters so far, but it is as inspiring, if not more, so than The Obstacle is the Way. Um, if you're into Stoic philosophy. <laughs> it's it's going to be right up your alley. If that doesn't sound like it's for you, you should try it anyway. And if it's not, then you know at least you learned something new um, that you don't like Stoic philosophy. <laughs> uh, okay, so I think that this kind of brings us to the end of our show. Um, Austin, thank you a for being our wonderful producer. But B, Maxfield and I talked about a mistake that we have made. Can you tell us about a mistake that you have made? <laughs> I can. Um, I don't know if all of our listeners know that The Motley Fool has five podcasts and a feature on the Amazon Alexa called Flash, The Motley Fool Flash Briefing. And last week I was mixing The Flash Briefing, Market Foolery, and Industry Focus, and I posted the Market Foolery podcast on the Flash Briefing feed. So for about four hours last Tuesday, if you asked your Alexa to play the flash briefing, you got the 30-minute market foolery. <laughs> and how long is a flash briefing the usually? The flash briefing is about one minute and 30 seconds. Oh, dear. <laughs> so that was my bad. No worries. It happens to the best of us. Well, that not that in particular to me, because I've never done that, and I don't think anyone will ever ask me to do that, but it does happen to the best of us. And that's the message y'all should take away, listeners. Um, as usual, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Contact us at industryfocus at fool.com or by tweeting us at mfindustryfocus and let us know about your mistakes so that we feel better too. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Maxfield. Thanks, Austin. And everyone have a great week.